Twice a week, Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay dissect the biggest topics in Black culture, politics, and sports on their show, Higher Learning. They discuss the most important and timely conversations while also frequently inviting guests on the podcast and occasionally debating each other. Check out Higher Learning on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. COVID-19 vaccines are starting to become available to the general public. Getting vaccinated is the first step to getting back to all the things we miss most. It's really true. I've been able to see friends and family that I wasn't able to see for a long time. I was been going to some restaurants. I've been to a bar. Let me just tell you, going to a bar, <laughs> pretty fun. And I was able to do it without a mask because I was vaccinated. I've been to a bookstore, which Ooh, was my version one. of, yeah, of, of going to a bar, which is a really sad statement, but <laughs> that's okay. And, and finally traveling and, and seeing friends um, and family who live across the coast it, and yeah. it's only because of the vaccine. It feels like things are getting back to normal because we've been vaccinated, but you know, it's okay to still have questions like, should I get it? Is it safe? Should I wait? You can get the facts at getvaccineanswers.org so you can make an informed decision. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We got some fun stuff today. We're going to talk about Nobu Malibu, one of our favorite locations that I've never been to. Nor have I. Great. I've seen it, though. Yeah, been, been, been adjacent. Um, we are going to talk about um, the latest development with Skims, Kim Kardashian's shapewear line. And Apparently, so we much just more. are a Skims blog now Skims here at Jam blog. Session. Yeah, Amanda is a, a tester and I'm a, a watcher. Um, and we also are going to talk about the Business Insider story about the de- the descent, the fall of the Instagram cookery line, Great Jones, which I, I always had a lot of questions about. So I'm like excited Great. to discuss. Uh, yeah. But first, we're just going to follow up on, you know, probably the biggest celebrity news of the month. Um, and we're and not the year, about, probably. Yeah, probably of the year, maybe like of this decade so far, uh, which is Britney Spears and her fight to end her conservatorship, which... We kind of did a precursor for last week. Um, I'm kind of I'm glad to be following up because I actually do feel quite differently than when we last spoke. Absolutely. Uh, and Tea Time covered it on Friday. And then, you know, we had the director of Framing Britney Spears 
from the New York Times, Samantha Stark, on the pod on Friday. Uh, she and I just kind of did a, a quickie interview, and she was really interested. She had like so many interesting insights. I recommend you check that out. She's been in the courtroom for um, the proceedings, including last week. So she had some really interesting insight. So check that out. Um, Amanda, when we spoke, we were both just kind of like, should we cover this? Like, we were just kind of like, this is a, a uncomfortable situation with someone who we know we're not getting the full picture, but we fear she's unwell and sort of had mixed feelings about even talking about it. But obviously, Britney Spears is so famous that it's newsworthy. How are you feeling now that we have heard the 23 minute testimony? I mean, yes, we should be covering it. And I I think we can continue to talk about how we cover these things and how we talk about them. But um, I was incredibly saddened um, by everything that I heard. I, I don't know what else to say, except that it was heartbreaking. And um, that is a person who is in a legal situation, a life situation that she absolutely should not be in. I, I, I don't know how you walk away from the testimony in any other way. And I thought it was really powerful to hear from Brittany herself. And when we talked last week, you know, you kind of identified as we were trying to sort through our feelings that just the lack of, of Brittany in this extended um, coverage about her, her lack of agency and the lack of, of voice from, of hearing from her. We heard from a lot of people on a lot of different sides, um, presuming to speak on her behalf or trying to make decisions for her or trying to guess what she wanted. And I think that made us both uncomfortable, but then we did finally have the opportunity to hear from her. And it was uh, a, a very clear and upsetting and, um, you know, I, I, I do think like historic, uh, testimony Absolutely. and I, and, and really did underline for me the extent to which we, like we have not been hearing from her and that, and in a lot of ways, this is a situation of just a really baroque and horrifying legal arrangement in order to be able to not hear from Britney Spears, but uh, just also like a, a person who has um, just kind of been abandoned by everyone in her life. And it seems in, it, it's just incredibly sad. I just, I felt very sad and I was glad that she had the opportunity to speak. And I hope that it does change her situation. And I hope that all of this extra effort that everyone is, you know, putting around her actually does come to, uh, uh, like a positive resolution for, for once. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I think hearing Britney speak, first of all, you know, we've speculated a lot about who's running her Instagram and this remains like a fixation of mine that I think just because I find so, I have found the content over the last year is so strange. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think hearing her say like, I'm sorry, I've been lying or she posted that on Instagram. Um, just like continues to raise so many questions. I I actually have a lot of logistical questions about her life still. Like it, of course. it's it's been reported that she and her boyfriend went to um Hawaii this week and I'm just like how does that happen? Like how is that possible? Not not cuz I'm like questioning anything, but I just like kind of like still don't really get it. Um and so I think that like hearing her give this testimony that, you know, it was clearly she was reading from something, um, which I would do too, but it's great to, great to prepare. Um, I'm just sort of like, how, how does she have, and to the extent she has any agency, like how does she? And, and, you know, like I was curious, like who helped her, her write what she said, cause it, you know, it was quite powerful, but 
I think just sort of what I'm trying to get at as finally hearing from her was mm-hmm. so like startling and jarring that it was sort of, it, it felt like a movie and I don't mean that to like, to um, be reductive of her situation, but it felt like the kind of thing that would honestly happen in like an X-Men movie when like someone's been under the control of like a, an evil power for so long that you forget who they actually are and you forget it and you lose sight literally of their humanity. And it just came back into such stark relief. And it was, it was just incredibly jarring. I mean, I, I can't really of think course, of yeah. a, of a celebrity parable out of like real life. It was so strange. Yeah. I also have questions after this and I'm, I'm trying to negotiate my own level of, you know, what is well-meaning interest and what is like pure prurient and not helping at this point. Mm -hmm. And I I think I personally have always like felt that, especially in relationship to Britney Spears, just because, you know, we grew up, there's been a lot of references to 2007 and Britney's 2007 in the past, um, few weeks. And like, I was there, I remember it. And to some extent as an audience member, I participated in it. And so I, I try to give space and to not make my business what, what is not my business. But I also do think at this point, you can't, you, you have to admit that like the, the free Britney movement at some point pushed this along. And I do wonder whether she would be where she is and whether even frankly, she would have testified in the way that she did without this kind this kind of online pretty intense and like sometimes uncomfortable to me movement in order to like to expose these issues and and to bring this person back kind of into the you know the driver's seat of her own life I guess and certainly like her public narrative and even just to speak so I I it still makes me a little uncomfortable just the amount of scrutiny because it still feels like all of the scrutiny and everything that's outside pouring onto Brittany is again, something that she doesn't have control over. And like, that's what you take away from this, right? Like this is a person who just has lost, like has no control over her own life and has no one in her life that, that we know of who seems to like really be advocating for her. Um, you know, all celebrities go through at, at the level of fame, Britney Spears was and is just a lot of very tricky situations. And I, I think the people who have a good support system and people they can trust make it through and the people who don't run into issues. And it it seems like she's just kind of alone in it. So we definitely you want all of the support for her. But I'm still just like, oh, oh, God, this seems it seems like a lot. It seems it still seems like a lot. It it really does. Um was there one moment that like particularly shocked you? They were just like, I can't believe that we're hearing this or, or what? Yeah, I mean, the IUD moment, I think for yeah. everybody was just the real, um, takeaway. And I, th- it's not the only takeaway, but that was kind of like the breakthrough. And I think even the way she spoke, it was like at the very end, Um, and that in addition to everything else she's lost in her life, she's just lost the ability to decide whether she wants to have another kid and she's lost her reproductive rights completely. And, you know, that is an ongoing issue for a lot of women in America, but the, just the literal cruel, complete absence of civil rights way that it was portrayed was 
really shocking. Just yeah. com- completely shocking. I, I think the other thing that's just so confusing is like how things develop. And I was asking Samantha about this, like where do things go from here? Like, it's just so crazy that like this testimony happened and, and Samantha pointed this out and then just sort of like, there is no immediate action. Like as far as we know, there's not been no petition to like end the conservatorship. Right. And, and that was another, maybe not shocking, but sort of like confusing. And I thought sad part of her testimony where she's like, I didn't know that I could petition to end this. I, I didn't know. And I was afraid to speak out and that kind of just like the opaque mess of it all. Um, and it's seeming, as you said, like there is still like no real like plan going forward. I just yeah. seems like a mess. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I, it, it's just really upsetting. I, I hope that she gets some agency back. I hope she ends up happy, whatever that is. And the other thing is like, just on like a personal level, I'm so close to my family and like, I consider family so important for her to be so um, abused by her family and clearly so angry, including her sister, Jamie Lynn Spears, like, like quote unquote, finally spoke on, um, I think Monday, like about how she supports her sister, but has been doing it off social media, but then was making this proclamation on social media. And then the combination of like her father living in an RV that on the grounds where sort of like all the Britney Spears mementos are stored. It's just like incredibly, incredibly sad. And I also, you know, it's just like incredibly sad to me. I don't, I don't even know what else to say. I mean, it's, it's cool that she's getting support. Like the Christina Aguilera moment was cool, but I don't know. It's just depressing. Yeah. That's, I mean, that was my ultimate takeaway is just like, this is just a, a tragedy and, yeah. and definitely one of just like, the defining celebrity stories of our lifetime in an incredibly sad way. And I agree with you. I hope that she finds happiness. Like I, I, that's truly what I want. Really? It's it's just like so brutal. I hope she's enjoying Hawaii. We both love Hawaii. So yes, <laughs> I, I really, really hope that she's having the time of her life. Me too. Me too. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 
miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, let's move on. There's an article in the New York Times by Tejal Rao about Nobu Malibu. And I um, was just absolutely delighted to see it. You sent it my way. And I was just like, thank you for recognizing the, the kind of the playground of the celebs right now. And it was a it was like a great reexamination of uh, this phenomenon that you and I have been tracking for like a year. Yes, a great zeitgeisty moment. And I think the, re- the review does something interesting, which it both obviously references the fact that Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck were paparazzi there and that this is a real celebrity hangout. And also um, turns it into a, a review about the like appeal of restaurants and what what a, a restaurant or a space where people together and especially famous people together can be and... Um, that phenomenon separate from great cooking or, you know, takeout or how, how we prepare food, like the vibe, if you will, for, for lack of a better word, I think the vibe is probably the right word. So I really enjoyed that, but I just also enjoy the decision of let's, let's cover the celebrity hotspots. These, these places are accessible. If you have say the New York times paying your dining bill, yeah. Which, which I mean, which is crucial. And that I, because Nobu Malibu is extremely expensive. And one of the first things that I thought when reading this is like, wow, I would absolutely love to go to Nobu Malibu on someone else's dime because it's really expensive. And the deciding factor in most of these celebrities' hotspots is, is money, which yeah. is, is, is central. But like, if someone is funding you, you can go. And I do really just enjoy the form of journalism that's like, let's blow a little extra money on this in order to open up all of these celebrity hotspots to everyone else so you can know what's going on. You too can be a part of the magic. I also really liked how the article started, which was with such a great, great salient point about why that's like the Nobu thing is so funny. And I, I'll just I'll just read from mm-hmm. it. This was like in one of the first the first few graphs. Was anyone surprised to see pixelated photos of Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck here just a few weeks ago? No, because Nobu is 2002 and Benifer and Frosted Tips. Nobu is Vanessa Carlton making her way downtown in season five of Sex in the City, shaken together and poured into a tall stemmed glass. That is just such an acute observation about Nobu. It's it's really so true. It's like Nobu is forever. And like Miso Cod is like so 90s to me, but mm-hmm. A, it's delicious. And B, it really is enduring. I, I guess this Nobu opened to in the one in Malibu in 2012. So it's not quite 2002, but it Nobu, I, I remember um, when it opened in New York and it was like such like a, a big deal. I think that Robert De Niro was an investor or like it was kind of like part of the Robert De Niro Tribeca movement. Yes. I, and, and it's just so funny to kind of like to track that. And it also really does go along with kind of like this era of, of pop culture where everything that's old is new again. Sex and the City is coming back. Benefer 1.0 version two, like all of this stuff. And I just thought, I love that they that the times went so far as to situate this place in that moment, because it's something that I, it just really, um, you know, resonated. I mean, that is 
part of the appeal. That's why people go there. That's why it's still making money. I mean, I think that is like good journalism. It's just take journalism, taking something that you and I care about seriously, that, that most people don't care about, even though it's a huge money-making venture, but the, the kind of celebrity history of Nobu and where it fits in the like pop cultural zeitgeist over time. I like, you love to see it. Thanks. Yeah. Let's, let's do some more. Like what's up with one Oak these days, you know, like to just let's, let's go. What are the new ones? Has anyone done like a great profile of catch? Just like, I would love to know everything point. about catch. It's okay? a great point. I, I, I would too. And I think catch expanded. And then like, you know, there's a couple of other hotspots, like the more recent ones that are, that are like Delilah is opening in um, Vegas. Like, I'd love to know more about that. Sure. I, yeah. I also want to know about all these chefs because you want to know what a lot of these places like really do have good food. That's one of the things about Nobu. The food is actually quite delicious. The, the spicy, the, the tuna on sticky rice or whatever that is, spicy oh, yeah. tuna on rice. It's so delicious. Like I actually do like Nobu food. Listen, I wasn't joking when I was like, I'd love to go to Nobu Malibu on someone else's dime. If anyone would like to sponsor that, like I'm available. Call yeah, me. Like, how do we, how do we get in? Oh my yeah. goodness. I, I will be kind of sad when this Nobu resurgence ends. It can't go on for forever, but I will be, I will be happy when, um, I mean, I, I've just been enjoying it. It's just very funny to me. It's also very clueless. I think that's true. And it is having like, quote, a moment which is wrapped up in the Benefer moment for sure. And I think also, as we said last week of the kind of celebrity pandemic, they they figured out the pandemic thing very quickly. And it was a place that celebrities seemed to trust and, and went and were not worried about. So that kind of recentered it in, I guess, the, the celebrity consciousness. But there is this thing about it where it's like, it's just part of the machinery at this point, yeah. right? It's like Craig's. That's another one. I mean, there should just be like an entire book about Craig's. These Absolutely. are all the LA spots too. I mean, there are a ton of New York spots as well, but these places that like just the New York ones come and go a lot faster, like up and down came and went very quickly. Right. Well, and, but there are some that are kind of like the buzzy place of the moment. And then there yeah. are some that are institutions. That it's like, what we do is yeah. cater to the celebrity and we don't really mind that there are some paparazzi like on the photo, you know, across the way. The Times did try to do this a few months ago with Giorgio Baldi, which mm. is another like kind of classic institutional. Yes. See Rihanna there a lot. Um, L.A. spot right on the PCH and the Pacific Palisades. I didn't like think that that piece was as effective, but they were going for the same thing of yeah. like there are these places that kind of exist by catering to celebrities. And if you have enough money, you can go as well, which, and so we, as the, you know, paper record will go for you and pay the money and tell you what it's about. I, I really like it. I think it's great. Let's do more. Yeah. I, I'm into it as well. Let's, let's keep it going. Okay. Um, on the uh, sort of a geographically adjacent topic, Kim Kardashian skims was, oh, was, uh, announced to be outfitting uh, the U.S. Olympics team this this season, this year in Tokyo, giving them all um, like sports bras and underwear. I think the men as well. I think everyone's getting some skims apparel. Yeah, it seems to be the undergarments and pajama wear for the Olympics. I mean, I was shocked by this. You you were really shocked. And How you have the right who's to pay, be. Who's paying whom in this relationship? I, I don't no, I have to assume that someone, some sponsor is paying skims in some capacity, or maybe it's just, I don't know. I guess Ralph Lauren doesn't like Ralph Lauren, like 
pays for the uniforms, I guess. And it's like good advertising, right? So I, I I'm so. assuming that they're not getting like a kickback from the IOC or whatever, but I don't know. It seems like all the IOC does is kickbacks. It's well, it's like in the NBA. Yeah, seriously. In the NBA and the other sports leagues, it's like the clothing company pays the league to make the stuff. And then it's like, you know, then they right. get the benefit of being able to sell the merchandise. So is Skims paying the IOC or like US Olympics, whatever it is to have this opportunity? Probably, except I just have a hard time imagining the Kardashians being like, sure, we'll pay anyone anything, but especially the Olympics team. So maybe they're just covering the costs. My initial reaction to this was, I think it must be pretty hard to be an Olympian (laughs) (laughs) and you don't really have a life. Like, I don't like I I think all that you do as Olympian your whole life is you you train and it's really demanding and I admire it. I don't have that kind of discipline. There's nothing like I don't have goals that powerful in any walk of my life. So I I think that the Olympians must spend like a lot of time doing their sports and doing all the like auxiliary stuff that you got to do, you know, the strength training and the ice bath and like blah, 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 blah. And then probably whatever downtime they have left, they just watch reality TV because like what else do you have the brain capacity for? So if the Olympians like the Kardashians and are excited about the skims and this is something that can add to what is a very stressful but exciting time in their lives. I, I, I'm not that mad about it. If if it's what the Olympians want, which I can kind of see it being what they want. I mean, they're all like 22 years old and they've, you know, just been in a swimming pool their entire life. That's all you do. So, and then maybe you just like Dream. watch Kardashians on your phone on your like way home. So you get some free skims. I, that's great. Congratulations to them. Yeah. I, congratulations to everyone. Um, I, I'm just sort of wondering, like, I assume that the Kardashians would continue to have a big TV presence. I'm sure they will. But like, are they just becoming product pushers now? Like, yes. Is this, yes. Is this, of that course. It? Yeah. Just, it's just merchandise. Yeah. Because they can and because they make a lot more money off of it. I and guess they have much, more control. Yeah. I guess that's like the way that you do it instead of like trying to be an actress now. You just parlay it yeah, into, into manufacturing. It's so much more efficient. It's like, here, I put my name on this. Give me money. Like, it's. I, I, you know, it's dark genius, but yeah. it's brilliant. Yeah. It's the ultimate licensing deal. Yeah. Licensing your name. Exactly. It's like licensing your life rights, but for products instead of stories. Right. But I think they're making a lot of money off of it. No, so. they are. They absolutely are. I mean, I don't know why I'm knocking it or like acting so surprised. We've only been talking about it for a decade, but it's just, it's just, this is like so big. I can't believe it. Also, I think because this, the, the products themselves, like if you look at the pictures, like look different than the other skims items. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's a specific product line for the Olympics. And I just didn't see this coming. You know, I thought this was like the domain of Nike and Ralph Lauren. Yeah. And I guess like the outerwear is still the domain of Ralph Lauren, but I listen, the People like the skim stuff. Yeah, I know. Uh, you, you know, have you have you tried on your bra? How do you no, like it? No, I haven't gone outside yet, so I don't have to wear it. Um, but when I tried it on, it was like it's it's nice and they're pretty inexpensive. Also, like it's a good price point. I I don't know. I haven't done the full range. I'm not really in the market for shapewear with only one leg. You know, believe it or not, <laughs> when I go out for my night on the town and hit the red carpet, my the slit of my dress is not all the way up that I only, you know, I had to previously cut off one of the legs of my shapewear. I mean, can you imagine? Like, no. what kind of life is that? I. Anyway, it's the life of going to Nobu Malibu and Craig's. Are, do you think people are wearing shapewear in a Mal- Nobu Malibu? Yes, absolutely. If they think they're going to be photographed, 100. percent That's totally. tough. I don't, I, 
I, I, you I know wish Malibu's they- not for going to the beach. It's like going to going to like dinner. It's, this is nice. No, I know, but it's just like if you have to wear shapewear to go to the to Nobu, you're not going to enjoy your meal at Nobu. You're going to be constrained. That's sad. I I would like a world for everyone where you don't have to wear shapewear unless you're walking a red carpet, and even there, you don't really need to. But I understand the stress. Yeah. I just can't believe it. I, I, I'm like, also, well, I want to get the skins Olympic apparel. I could see that happening. I love a good national garment. They also are just edging really close to like 90s Calvin Klein. The, you know, the classic ads that mm. we all saw, which are appealing to me. And also, sure. obviously, again, the 90s are back. But no, I, I don't think that I'll be buying the, the Olympics underwear. I think I'll keep that for Olympians. Again, I think they've worked really hard. They've never done anything else in their lives. They deserve some special underwear. Okay, next. Last story of the day. Yeah. Also related to Instagram product. Business Insider had a long profile of the mutiny at Great Jones. They called it a mutiny, which is Great Jones is like um, a Le Creuset competitor. That's primarily uh, sort of. Yeah, sort of that that pushed that sort of targeted the Instagram demographic with like sort of very pleasant millennial pink type of colors and blush type of colors on like the, the Dutch ovens and other cookware started by two women um, who had a huge falling out. They're camp friends and they had a huge falling out. And this is about sort of the downfall <laughs> of this story. Very similar to like the downfall of the wing um, and kind of like a lot of the telltale signs of like a came out hot and fast and sort of melted down. But it wasn't because the product necessarily was bad, right? I think I think the interest in the meltdown and the marketing and probably the audience for this story is similar to the interest in the meltdown of the wing and the audience for the wing. My understanding of the wing was that it was a lot more complicated, um, you know, much larger and had a, a, a lot more press coverage and came to signify a lot more issues and um, just, you know, a lot of the the members of color at the wing just felt completely uh, ex- excluded and it got pretty messy. And then also, of course, there was a pandemic that sort of completely undermined the wing's basic business model. So it's slightly different. This is a story about eight people um, and like, like literally in total, because it's the two founders and the six employees and a really classic story of what you present on Instagram versus what's happening in real life is, is yeah. what it seemed to me anyway. And so I think you may not know the name Great Jones, but you definitely, if you look at Instagram regularly as often as Juliet and I do, which I don't know, again, we're just, we're humans in the world. We're trying our best, but you would recognize the, the pink or the yellow Dutch oven. It was a very like visually recognizable and Instagrammy like instant success. And then everything behind the scenes just kind of seemed to be uh, messy and people not getting along at all. One thing I found really interesting about this is that the company only had six full-time employees, mm-hmm. which is really small. And so yes. like these six people and like the meltdown had to be so um, messy to capture this amount of attention. And I think also um, one of the co-founders, Sierra Tishgart, really courted a lot of attention. The article points out that she had a domino um spread about her apartment and her wedding was featured in Vogue and sort of like really wanted the attention. And I think there was, must've been so much animosity. Cause that's like, I think a startup of eight people failing is like not a story unto itself. Right. No, it's a, there's a great quote 
from, I believe, one of the six former employees that said she wanted to be Emily. She wanted to be Whitney, referring mm-hmm. to Emily Weiss, the founder of Glossier, and Whitney, the Tinder turned Bumble. I can't Whitney even remember. Wolford. Yes, Whitney Wolford, but she she is one name only to me in this context. And yeah, Instagram envy, like what a quote female founder means on Instagram and and just kind of Instagram versus reality. But because it was so small, it just there aren't any of the really complicated business factors. There aren't any of the complicated. I mean, you know, there are some and and there is a story in particular about the, the one black employee at uh, Great Jones being kind of singled out to speak about her feelings last summer um, and and feeling uncomfortable. So, I, you know, I don't want to present it. It's like there was like really nothing going wrong at all. But as you said, it's just a really small company and the amount of attention on it while it was successful, but especially now just seems sort of just like the Instagram story that we expect every three months of like, oh, that thing was really yeah. popular and now they all hate each other. And now we get to enjoy the schadenfreude of um, this this thing that was presenting as perfect falling apart. Totally. And it just seemed like she like the CR Tishgart just did, you know, was not well liked by her employees. Like, and I guess in the domino spread, she shared a recipe for roast chicken, which one of her employees had sent to her and like didn't yeah. credit her employees. So it just seems like a bad boss. But, um, I do think that there's just such a deep interest in people our age and like debunking Instagram myths, whether mm-hmm. they are active or passive or like whatever it is, it, le- it like lends itself to a story like this. And like the Instagram celebrity, uh, I-, I do think that, um, it's interesting that she, that they noted Emily and Whitney because both of them like use Instagram, but actually like what they do is so much is actually pretty off platform. I mean, obviously Glossier has a aesthetic that translates to Instagram, but kind of predates it. I mean, if you watch the Hills, you know, about Emily the intern. So, Mm -hmm. um, and obviously Bumble is just dating app onto itself that also really harnessed the kind of like girl boss idea. But anyway, I I think that like the miscal, a miscalculation is that like you can, that like the Instagram can be all of it. I, I think that's like much more short lived than something that where it's like actually like a product that people come, become obsessed with. Yes, exactly. That's what it is. I and mean, then you can tie it even to skims in a way is that I think some people might look at the lesson of skims and be like, Oh, I just have to be Kim Kardashian and people will buy whatever. And that might be true to do it to an extent, but also it seems like people at, at some point, the products are like, oh, this is pretty good. And you kind of have to have the product take on a life of its own. Um, and I think there are probably at this point, a huge number of Glossier users who are very aware of like Glossier's Instagram presence, but not Emily Weiss. Yeah. Um, and definitely the same for Bumble, right? For, of oh, for that, sure. That's like a thing on its own. But it the flip side of this is that this really just is like the last beat in the Instagram story. Now, anyone you become famous on Instagram, everything looks perfect. You've got the pink, whatever. And then fast forward four months, like, oh, it was all a lie. And like, I, we just like expect that that's like part of the deck, you know, of that's beat one, beat two, beat three, beat four. And you just kind of write it as long as you can. Um, and I, it's weird. I, maybe we should all just spend less time on Instagram. That's probably the answer. It's like, I don't, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> 
and like and and try to be like nice people and you know make things that people are interested in for the thing themselves startup meltdown stories never get old though you know i like i will read every single one i'll watch all the documentaries i mean i'm into it yeah the whole founder thing just really also seems to be doing a disservice to pretty much everyone but it it definitely it it makes for a a great chapter in these stories you just know it's coming you know absolutely absolutely um a real dearth of ben and jen news this past week I think that they are probably taking a step back. I, they s- seem to have the pulse on what's going on in the world when they're fighting for tabloid attention and when it's good to step back. And they were not going to have a lot of attention last week. And I think that's okay. And I respect them not, you know, fighting for the spotlight. Ben was photographed leaving her home. I think everything's still okay, but they're in the maintenance phase right now. It's smart. We were getting a little oversaturated. They had, they had to pull back a little bit. Yeah. I I support them. And as long as they're happy and doing what they want, then I'm I'm just delighted. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, we'll be back next week. Should we do a books check-in next week, Amanda? Yes. I have been getting a couple requests for it. I need to actually organize my book life. Okay, um, great. But And we can maybe set some goals as well sure. as some recommendations because frankly, like I, you know, my reading has been hit and miss the last couple of months, guys, but I'm, I'm going to lock in. It's Me too. Summer, I've it's been time. watching so much Bravo, but I just, I, I, I feel that I feel the literary spirit taking hold now that it's summer. That's so beautiful. That's really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you to Isaiah Blakely for producing this episode and we'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.